um, trying to stop these things is akin to going out and standing in the middle of your local river and sticking your hands out front of your body and expecting to stop the flow. This is impossible. You cannot stop the flow. All you can do is stop yourself from being carried away by it. So the practice of the office of the hours um, isn't to prevent yourself from having these emotions or these thoughts, but to see them for what they are, acknowledge them, and let them pass without being carried away or carried under by them. You're listening to Talks from the Apostolic Joanite Church. Hi, my name is Sean McCann. I currently serve as the Sovereign Pontiff of the Apostolic Joanite Church. I also serve as the priest for St. Joseph of Arimathea Parish in Calgary, Alberta. The AJC, uh, recently, relative to this time of the recording, uh, anyway, decided to make its Office of the Hours available to the public for their individual spiritual practice. And before we get started, um, if you want to visit, explore, and practice the Joanite Office of the Hours, you can hit up a web browser and go to office.johanite.tech, T-E-C-H, on the end there. Now, previously it was available as a print book for members of our local communities, but as our communities are currently unable to meet owing to a pandemic, um, we decided it was best to put it out as a resource for everyone to use wherever they may find themselves. So, what is the Office of the Hours, which is also called in places and depending on which churches or resources you use, the Liturgy of the Hours or the Divine Office? Um, what is it? Now, this isn't going to be an extensive history lecture, though we've certainly got the time and means to get into one. This is more a little bit focused on the practice, a basic of what it is, uh, how the AJC uses it, uh, and of course, how you can make use of it yourself. To put it simply, uh, the Office of the Hours is a set of prayers, meditations, devotions, and practices used throughout the course of the day at certain times of day uh, to mark the hours. Um, I will talk a little bit more later about why it's a valuable spiritual practice, uh, in my own opinion, in usage that is, uh, a bit later on. So it's used to mark the hours. All the hours? Some of the hours? What kind of hours exactly are we talking about? Now, going back centuries, uh, well over a millennia and a half, in fact, are what's known in church history as the canonical hours. Uh, each hour is actually a period of the day rather than an hour of 60 minutes as we know it now. In most systems today, and even going back centuries, there are typically seven, eight, or nine canonical hours. And obviously, the more canonical hours you have, the smaller those time periods are. These are roughly, taking, taking the nine hours, these are roughly uh, divided uh, as such. Um, at dusk, we have Vespers, or the evening. At bedtime, we have Compline, representing the completion of the day. At midnight, we have Nocturnes. At pre-dawn, we have Vigil. Dawn is Matins, 
6 a.m. is prime, being the first hour. Uh, 9 a.m. is terse, being the third hour. Noon is sext, the sixth hour. And 3 p.m. is none, the, the ninth hour. So again, that's dusk, bedtime, midnight, pre-dawn, dawn, 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. And then, of course, it starts all over again at dusk. Uh, monastics throughout the centuries, and this has primarily been a uh, monastic or clerical practice, uh, monastics throughout the centuries have used these hours to engage in prayer, spiritual practices such as contemplation, or for liturgy, of course, as we know it, uh, such as the Mass or other spiritual exercises. So how is the Office of the Hours in the AJC actually structured? When we set out to create the AJC Office of the Hours, we wanted to do a couple things. Number one, we wanted to have continuity with the tradition and with the basic practice. You can't change something wholesale and then say it's the same thing. Um, but we also wanted to simplify things in recognition of the fact that we're not monastics, that we live in the modern world, and of course we have jobs and families and all sorts of things that tug at our sleeves. Um, so we wanted to simplify it and make sure it wasn't too complex in the medieval style or too lengthy, uh, but allow for the richness of the practice to be experienced. The AJC office focuses on four hours or four time periods in a day. Matins, diurnum, vespers, and compline. Uh, in plain speak, morning, afternoon, evening, and night prayer. And these follow the cycle of the sun throughout the course of the day. Each AJC office has a couple of key parts or sections opening prayers, offerings and readings, and devotional prayers. And if you've spent any time at all with the AJC, whether you've been able to attend a liturgy, an online discussion, a conclave and the like, um, you can probably guess that with four hours, Matins, Diurnum, Vespers, and Compline, we line these up, of course, with the four archangels, which are found in almost every ritual of the AJC. With Matins uh, being morning prayer, we have Raphael, the archangel of air, uh, which, of course, is also associated with the color yellow that you see in our candles. With Diurnum, uh, afternoon prayer or noon prayer, uh, we have Michael, the archangel of fire, in the color red. With Vespers being evening prayer, we have Gabriel. Archangel of Water in the color blue. And with Compline we, being Night Prayer, we have Uriel, Archangel of Earth, and the color green. Each AJC office has a offering, an action, or intention associated with it. For Matins being Morning Prayer, we have the offering of incense with the intention of praise. In the afternoon, or noon prayer, we have the offering of one's labors and the intention of awareness. In the evening, we have the lucernarium, the offering of light and thanksgiving. And at night, we have the offering and intention of reflection. And this is done by way of a reflection exercise in three parts. To examine the failures of the day, the things that didn't go right, uh, whether through your own actions or another's. 
um, the successes of the day and the blessings of the day. And of course, each office also has a prayer dedicated to one of these archangels, which frames either the offering or the intention or both. These opening prayers, offerings, actions, and intentions are followed by the readings. Um, what we have is a reading from what is called the proper. The proper is the part of the office which changes depending on the time of day or the day itself, whereas what is called the ordinary is the name for the parts of the office that do not change. The AJC office uses a four-week cycle of readings, primarily drawn from the Psalms, as is uh, traditional with uh, the Office of the Hours, and of course the Leviticon. Uh, we do have other uh, scripture in there as well, but the Leviticon and the Psalms are the primary cycle of readings. Now, the propers in the AJC offices are meant to be swappable modules. That is to say, um, you can have different cycles of readings that you can include in there for different purposes, uh, intentions, or times of year. And it is our plan to be producing other set of proper, sets of propers for different uses and occasions. Now, each office, um, without fail, contains a reading from the Psalms. Uh, and Matins also has a reading from Scripture in addition to this, and Vespers has a passage from the Leviticon. The last section of each office is that of the devotional prayers. The four offices each have a section for de devotional prayers, and at Matins and Vespers, that is to say morning prayer and evening prayer, there is a place to offer intentions and prayers for those in need of specific intentions, um, whether they are corporate intentions, such as praying for the people of the church or the world, or individual intentions for yourself or those you know. So that, in a very brief, compact nutshell, is the essential structure of the AJC practice of the Office of the Hours. So now we come to the most important part. Why do this practice? So what? Why does it matter? What benefit do I get out of doing this? Um, I'm going to explore a couple different elements here. But as you go in your own practice, I imagine you will encounter uh, many more than, than just this brief summary. I've been doing the Divine Office in one form or another for the last 20 years, and it is my most uh, consistent and most cherished practice um, because of its simplicity. Uh, because of its repetitive nature and because of the, the richness it can offer for introspection on the spiritual journey. So here's a couple things to chew on as you explore this practice. Um, one of the things I find, of course, is that it explores initiatory themes. Now, as any seminarian of the AJC will tell you from doing their liturgical year papers, the journey of the seeker or the initiate through time, particularly with the seasons and the feast days of the saints and uh, the life of Christ in, in scripture, as well as the life of Christ as found in Nag Hammadi, um, has many themes and elements that mirror our own journey on the spiritual path. The divine office or the office of the hours takes a lot of these thing, themes 
uh, from a year-long or lifelong cycle and miniaturizes it into a daily cycle. For example, with morning prayer, um, you know, we have the opportunity for the exploration of rebirth and the dawn of awareness, um, which would, you know, correspond to the beginning um, in the classical mystical stages is illumination. You've got a you've got a three part division in uh, mysticism in the West: illumination, purification, and union. So morning prayer has the opportunity to explore rebirth in the dawn of uh, awareness, illumination, if you will. Uh, evening prayer, uh, the dimming of the senses, purification. Uh, night prayer, um, the opportunity to explore death, darkness, initiation, and union. Of course, this represented by the physical symbol of sleep. Uh, the second theme or aspect to the divine office that I find is, is very valuable is that it creates sacred space in time. Um, if you've spent any time being involved in esoteric orders, religious organizations, or spiritual communities, you're familiar with the concept of sacred space. The opening of the mass, uh, things like uh, the casting of a circle, banishing ritual of the pentagram, that kind of stuff, is all designed around creating a spiritual space um, in which you can work and do your devotions. So sacred space is the practice or concept of setting aside uh, a physical space or boundary for uh, spiritual practice, sacred reflection, prayer, uh, and the like. Of course, there are fixed sacred spaces, uh, such as churches, for example, but there are also the, the spaces that we can create at home or out in nature through our spiritual working. So sacred space is about establishing a physical space or a, a physical boundary. Sacred space in time is a boundary that is not defined between physical points, but rather between moments. It is part of transforming or making that perceptual shift from the mundane to the sacred. You aren't just offering those moments, for example, when you say matins or vespers, when you do morning prayer or evening prayer, you're not just offering those specific moments or hours, so-called, to the divine. You're, you are implicitly sacralizing the space between them. This is a part of how difficult, uh, mindless, mundane, even secular work can become a part of our prayer practice, a mindfulness practice, uh, if you will. Um, because like I said, we're not just offering those individual moments uh, that we practice to the, to the divine. The space in between those moments uh, is offered in that fashion. And of course, dealing with sacred space in time and also in physicality, these offices are also done in harmony with many others across the AJC. Um, because we're located in a lot of places and a lot of people are praying at the same time, it implicitly creates a connection to the other people that are doing it in those, in those times. And of course, tens of thousands, if not more, across the globe who practice some form of the office in their own community, church, or tradition. The last brief element here to look at in our small consideration of different reasons to explore this practice is that of the exploration of scripture, which of course doesn't sound very exciting or interesting, 
but there's actually a couple other uh, elements worth considering in the exploration of scripture. On the most mundane level, of course, um, you get pretty familiar with the Psalms, and of course it's an opportunity to explore the text of the Leviticon. Plus, to be honest, any other readings you may want to add in or that's found in a cycle from the Nagamati Library. Now, when it comes to exploring scripture, uh, there's a reason why these things have stood the test of time, particularly things like the Psalms, for example. And the Psalms can seem a little bit out of place in uh, a Gnostic church. They're very Old Testament. Um, they, <laughs> they have very Old Testament language. They're very smitey at times, um, very angry at times. But the reality is that the Psalms are ancient. They're also very different in tone from chapter, chapter to chapter. Uh, the reality is, as you explore them over time, is that you notice they encompass the whole range of human emotion, from anger to grieving to joy to reflection. And some of, them are, some of those emotions are quite raw. So what benefit does this have for us as Gnostics? It helps us to acknowledge, understand, reconcile, and transmute those emotions and states within ourselves. If the object of spiritual practice is self-knowledge, then the Psalms become a mirror that we can hold up to ourselves in order to better understand how we move or experience those different states um, from day to day and moment to moment. Taken in total context with the offerings and intentions of the hours, as I discussed earlier on, um, it helps also, it helps us to remind us of, of both the difficulty that others around us face, the blessings we have, the trans transitory nature of either of those things, and where we can do some good for ourselves and others. And they also help us integrate that powerful imperative of the Gospel of Thomas, to be passers-by. If you've spent any amount of time in a local spiritual community, whether ours or another's, or spiritual communities online, or even just social media, you have probably encountered the story entitled, This Too Shall Pass. Um, now, there, of course, are different versions of this story floating around. Um, I've heard it variably as a Chinese emperor, and also most commonly as King Solomon. Uh, the essential of the story is this, is that there is a king who in dark times, difficulty, stress, or anxiety, is unable to see past that emotional state and, you know, is, uh, you know, paralyzed or gets into a funk, as it were. And likewise, in times of plenty, good fortune, good luck, and good health, um, he is unable to see past his happiness, uh, you know, rose-colored glasses, uh, essentially, in, in such a way as to... Um, prevent him from preparing for difficulty, to see misfortune coming. So he calls his advisors, wise men, magicians, whichever, and he says, I want you to create for me a magical artifact that will help uh, break these spells when I am entranced in them. And they put their heads together uh, and they come back with a ring and they say, sire, this is a magical ring. Um, if you wear it, you will no longer be paralyzed by either happiness or by doubt and misfortune. Uh, 
and inscribed upon the ring is the phrase, this too shall pass. So that in times of difficulty, in times of stress, whether his fist is clenched or his head is in his hands in despair, there before him is the phrase, this too shall pass. In times of plenty, whether he's clapping or cheering or raising a goblet in a toast, there written on the ring, uh, this too shall pass. And it's precisely this phrase or this quality um, that we can derive out of scripture in the practice of the office of the hours. We are going to encounter angry readings when we are anything but angry. We are going to encounter joyful readings when we are anything but joyful. Um, these offer an opportunity for introspection and reflection and foresight on the circumstances we are in so that we are, we are either, um, we are not paralyzed by despair and difficulty or uh, we are not uh, blinded by happiness to potentials for misfortune or the difficulty, suffering and sorrow of other human beings, both of which, of course, are important to our own spiritual thriving, spiritual journey. Um, and lastly, like other contemplative practices, for example, the AJC is very big on uh, uh, centering prayer. Uh, we have many folks who do centering prayer, mindful mindfulness med meditation, and breath meditation. Um, like other contemplative practices, it helps us to see circumstances, acknowledge circumstances, and then let them go. One of the things I'm fond of noting when uh, discussing, undertaking, or, or teaching the practice of meditation is that in meditation, some folks who are new to it get the idea that the purpose of meditative or contemplative practice is to stop thought or stop emotion. But nothing could be further from the truth. Um, trying to stop these things is akin to going out and standing in the middle of your local river and sticking your hands out front of your body and expecting to stop the flow. This is impossible. You cannot stop the flow. All you can do is stop yourself from being carried away by it. So the practice of the office of the hours um, isn't to prevent yourself from having these emotions or these thoughts, but to see them for what they are, acknowledge them, and let them pass without being carried away or carried under by them. So that's it. A brief summary of what the practice is, how we do it, and a few reasons at least why I do it myself personally uh, for you to chew on uh, and think on as you embark on an exploration of your own spiritual path with the tools of the Apostolic Joannite Church's Office of the Hours. I wish you the best in your journey and your practice and most of all in this time for health and happiness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.